Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You see, this isn't just an easy little thing, and if a couple bumps come up and I don't like it, well, I'm out of here. That's not what we're talking about at all. Oneness is the ultimate purpose of marriage. Oneness is the ultimate purpose of marriage. Now, it's interesting to me that God says the two will become one flesh, that no longer two, but one. God says when we get married, we become one, and yet He designs us totally incompatible. The saying goes that opposites attract, but aren't all spouses opposites? We all have our particular ways of doing things, our likes and dislikes, our routines and habits, not to mention the inherent differences between men and women. If we're complete in the Lord, He can endow us with the love required to serve our spouses. If we're complete in ourselves, we won't depend on Him to make us one, and we will be separate. Instead of trying to change your spouse to accommodate your needs, allow the Lord to shape you and illuminate those areas that you need to grow as a partner. Only then can you truly be one with yourself, your spouse, and God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 6, with the conclusion of our message entitled, Building a Successful Marriage. Notice when God created Adam and Eve, that was it. There weren't any more people. When God created Adam and Eve, he didn't sit down and say, Well, Adam, in case you get tired of Eve, here's Ellen over here in the corner waiting for you. He didn't say to Eve, Well, you know, Adam doesn't do too well. That doorknob he was supposed to fix three months ago and he hasn't fixed it, tired of him. Harry out here is a pretty good guy. And he's just been hanging around and ready. God gave Adam one wife. God provided Eve with one husband. There's only one. That's all there were. When they sat on their front porch, there were no more people. That was it. There wasn't option A, B, C, and D. There was no dating service. That was it. It was it. And that's the way God designed marriage, to be exclusive. Secondly, God designed marriage to be a heterosexual relationship. Notice in verse 6, it says, But at the beginning of creation, in Mark 10, at the beginning of creation, God made them how? Male. And what? And female. When Adam looked over, he went, she's like me, but she's different. I like it. Male and female. When God created Adam, he didn't create Adam and Harry. When God created Eve, he didn't create Eve and Ellen. Each man was to have his own wife, each woman her own husband. Now, Homosexuality and lesbianism is a sin. It was a sin in the Old Testament. It was a sin in Jesus' time. It's a sin today. It will always be a sin because it is against God's original design. No matter if every single television sitcom portrays it as normal, 
it is a sin. God hates homosexuality and lesbianism. He loves the people. And that's where you and I need to learn this. We have many people who are confused because the world sets a different standard. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what ABC says. I want to know what God says. And what I'm telling you is what God says. He created man and woman for each other. You can't have two women at the beginning of creation and have children. You cannot have two men at the beginning of creation and have children. He couldn't turn to them and say, multiply and fulfill the earth. Impossible. That ought to make common sense to anybody. But here's where we fail. We look at people at, as homosexual or lesbianism, and we look down on them. While I have anger and bitterness and resentment and pride and all kinds of sin in my life, God looks at sin as sin. So don't be out there knocking people. Just be glad God's grace covers your sin. I'm no better than that person because I'm a sinner saved by grace. So don't be out there in lines doing whatever. Just pray for the people. Stand right for the people. Don't give up your guidelines that come from God, but do it lovingly. Pray for them. Be a light in a dark corner. Number three, God designed marriage to be a permanent relationship. Look at verse 7. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Marriage involves two things. First of all, it's leaving. It's leaving your old relationship with your in-laws. And you're starting, then that word cleaving there, or united in, in the NIV, is a new word, and it means glue or bond. It doesn't mean like, you know, when you get these false teeth, you put this easy grip or whatever up there, and then you eat an apple and your teeth falls out. That's kind of the way most of our marriages are today. It doesn't mean that. It means this stuff like, um, what do you call it, crazy glue. Or you put a dot on your finger, you know, and you're talking to somebody and you can't get it off, can you? You just can't get it off. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's what the word united or cleave means. It means bonded for life. That's a strange thing, isn't it? You see, marriage... Marriage, as designed by God, is a covenant, not a contract. Is there any difference? Oh, there's a world of difference. Today, newspaper, Monday. Sign here and then kiss the bride. It's all about prenuptial agreements. So what it says is this. As you're entering into marriage... Treat your marriage, this is what the paper says, this is what the paper says. Treat your marriage, people that don't know what the Bible says, treat your marriage as a contract. And a contract says basically this. It's an agreement between two parties, a man and a woman, for mutual exchange of good and services. And if any time one of the other partners fails to fulfill that agreement, then it's basically free to dissolve it and it's null and void. That's exactly what this is. Go ahead, kiss the bride, but before you do it, have a prenuptial agreement which says this. In case this marriage doesn't work, the home is mine, the car is mine, this is yours, the TV thing over there is yours, we're going to bring them together, but this is mine, and my bank account's mine, and my IRA's mine, and yours is yours, and now let's go ahead and get married. Now, if my wife invited some people over for the house and she was just baking a cake one night and she's baking this dessert and she says, uh, calls me at the church office here and says, on your way home, stop by Publix and pick up a cake. 
I said, well, I thought you were baking a cake. Yeah, I just want you to do that. So I get home. And why did she ask me to stop and pick up a cake if she's baking a cake? What is she expecting is going to happen to her cake? You ladies have done it before. What happens? It's called a flop. It doesn't rise or it rises too big or it burns or whatever. She's expecting the cake to be a disaster. So stop by Publix, have a safety spare right there, right? So she's expecting to be... What, what is this paper saying? This paper says this. Your marriage is not going to work long term, so make sure you have a safe alternative. Here's the umbrella. Here's the parachute for you. That's not what God says. You see, you enter into marriage with a prenuptial agreement. Here's what you're saying. This thing ain't going to work. And I'm going to protect myself. Jesus says, no, the two of you become one. One, not two. You don't walk into marriage planning for it to dissolve. Never. God's reason is it's to be permanent. Look at verse 8. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one That brings us to point number three this morning, which is committed to oneness. Oneness. I want you to understand oneness. Oneness, another term for oneness is companionship. It means learning to be interdependent, peaceable agreement with your spouse. It means this, that when God glues us together with a covenant, and this covenant says... This is not a contract. When I married the couple yesterday, I didn't say this is a contract. And if one of you fails, we, we go through and we don't, I don't use the terms to death do us part or whatever. I have some neat stuff that I put in there, but it basically says this. Before God, remember, because marriage is not a twosome, it's a threesome. Before God, you're committing yourself to the other person. This is a commitment for life between God and the two of you. It's a covenant. A covenant of promise and faithfulness that you're going to keep these vows. It isn't conditional. It's unconditional. And with God's help, you're going to keep it. And by doing this, God's gluing you together. You're becoming one. You are one in Him. Oneness, companionship. And God is putting you together to operate as one. And immediately when I go through premarital counseling, one of the things I ask couples when we get to the chapter on finance, I say, how many checking accounts are you going to have? Well, we're going to have two. What do you mean, how many are we going to have? We're just like we always been doing. I said, wrong, time out. Your money is his and his money is yours. Your debts, they're all together. You're how many now? You're one. So you'll have one checking account. Well, I can't spend the money the, money the way I want. No, you can't. You guys agree on it. There's a oneness. There's a companionship. There's some agreement. Can it be peaceable? Sometimes. <laughs> you have to work through it, don't you? Well, I was used to doing this. And why'd you get married? Go be selfish by yourself. Oh, but I can't live without her. Right, stupid. Makes sense now. Come on. Come on. So I have to bring him back to these parts. So what, what we're saying here is this. We're one. We're in this together. We're not in this for just, if things are good, we have a young couple in this fellowship right now with young children. He got a call a couple weeks ago, got a call. His wife now has cancer. Now, are we out of here because of that? No, we're in this together. By the way, the whole church family will be in it together. We're in it together. 
You see, this isn't this just easy little thing, and if a couple bumps come up and I don't like it, well, I'm out of here. That's not what we're talking about at all. Oneness is the ultimate purpose of marriage. Oneness is the ultimate purpose of marriage. Now, it's interesting to me that God says the two will become one flesh, that no longer two, but one. God says when we get married, we become one, and yet he designs us totally incompatible. Did you ever think about that? When you look at your spouse, you go, what in the world were you doing, God? Why did you, you got a bad sense of humor for me, or what's the deal here? He made us so different. You know, the only parts that fit in marriage, and you know the only parts that fit in marriage. Every other part doesn't fit, does it? We're all different. This wonderful man that you married, your shining armor, the guy on the horse, he can't even get on a horse now. (laughs) And the only thing that's shining in his head because all the hair has fallen off. (laughs) And the gal that you married that got on the horse, the reason he can't get on it, because she's too big for the both of you to get on it. (laughs) And we have piled undies and funny sounds and cavities and all kind of stuff. This is for you singles in case you're excited about marriage. (laughs) We have all these things and we go, hey God, I thought we were all alike. And then you get married and go, we're not alike at all. Now why did God do that? Here's why. God says you're to be one, but I'm putting two totally different people together. Here's why. God has this big tool chest. He bought it at Sears. And the biggest tool that will make you like Jesus is a tool called marriage. See, when you got married, God took this big tool out and he says, good, I'll put the two of you together. (laughs) Have at it. And he will use you and your spouse to be changed into his likeness. You say, but it's so hard. You got it. That's what it's about. That's his tool to bring you and I into oneness. Now, what destroys oneness is unrealistic expectations. This shining armor, this beautiful bride, this whatever, after all the cakes that flop and the burns food and whatever, and the guy that can't fix the doors and you name it, we realize that some expectations we had aren't real. Now, the first year or two, we do okay, but then all of a sudden, it's a different person we married, isn't it? Things become in the open. Have you ever said this or thought to yourself this? If my spouse would change, then I would be happy. If my spouse was more like me, then I would be happy. If my spouse could only see things the right way, of course, it's my way, then I'd be happy. But God made each of us unique and different so that we could work together and have to do one thing, depend on Him and His power to keep us as one. See, you'll never be one without God's help. Never. It's a lot of work. But that requires me turning to Him. When I was asking my wife to help me out with a prop, God really blessed my heart. Because when I was 
being raised, when we got married some 30, almost 32 years ago, I never in my wildest imagination thought I'd be a pastor. My dad had been, and my grandpa, but I was headed off to pharmacy school. And I guarantee my wife never had her wildest, wildest imagination that she thinks she'd be a pastor's wife. But God knew. And over time, God gifted me with the ability to teach. It's his gift. It has nothing to do with me. To make the word come alive to you to change your life. And I realized also that I would not be like another pastor, but I would be me. By the way, those of you that are young guys and headed in ministry, you can't be like anybody else. You've got to be who God made you. And part of my teaching are props quite often. You know that. And I have zero mechanical ability in my life and zero creativity in my life. So what did God do 32 years ago? He provided me a wife who had the skills that he knew I would need when I came into the ministry. I began to weep because that's how good God is. God created me a wife who can help me be my completer, bring the realism of the teaching of the gift that I have to you so that you can look at this house. See, that's the wisdom of God. And God will create in you the same spouse. We didn't know that 30 years ago. We didn't have a clue. And I don't know what will happen in the next 10 years. I said to you the other day, you know, if God takes me soon because of this heart jazz or whatever, you won't have to be a pastor's wife very much longer. I mean, you'll be, I don't know what you'll be doing. God would probably get her with another pastor or something like that. Who knows what will happen. <laughs> Oneness. Ask this week in your time with your spouse, are we growing together or are we growing apart? Just ask yourself this. And here's something I want to say to you guys. There are a myriad of women in this group today that are looking for a man to step forward and be the spiritual leader of the home. What are you doing laying down on the job? Why is your wife take the notes and you sit here going, eh, cool sermon, man, wonderful. What are you doing? You're supposed to be the leader of the home for crying out loud. Get with it. What is your young son seeing? That's two weeks from now. I better stop. All right. <laughs> I'm serious. So the thing you want to ask yourself this week is this. Are my wife and myself here growing together or apart? You see, when you walk into a house, in our neighborhood today, we have all these new homes because we moved into a new neighborhood. You look and the yard's nice and you know the shrubs are nice and all the stuff. And you look outside and you go, man, that's a really nice looking house. But here's what all you have to do. You have to walk into some of the homes. And you walk right into the home. And the minute you walk into the home, you smell death. There's no oneness. They're at each other. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no happiness. There's a war going on and you smell death. But outside, the lawn is trimmed. The flowers are right. The cars are waxed. The windows are clean. But there's death inside the home. And do you know what many of the homes are? They're Christian homes. Because see, number one, I'm going to be committed to God. I'm a Christian. And number two, I would never think about divorcing my wife. I know the Bible says that's wrong. So I'm committed to my wife. But am I committed to oneness? No way. 
I never loved that woman. Well, look what she's done to me. She's so different than that man. Are you kidding me? We'll live together. We'll stay together for the kids. But there is no oneness. So you live in hell. And you go, hey, this is good. I, I'm doing that. I mean, appearance is good. What are you teaching your kids? You're teaching them that there's no such thing as a good marriage. When you look at your life, when I look at my life, I have to say to myself, what causes me not to be one with my wife? It's James 3.16. Just write it down. We don't have time to go to it. It means this. For where there you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find every disorder and every evil practice. You see, what this means is this. That I'm selfish. I want my way. I don't care about Linda. I want my TV controller. I don't care about Linda. I want everything my way. That's my nature. That's my human nature. That nature never goes away. And that's what destroys homes. That's what destroys home. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 33. Guys, here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week. I'm going to ask you to take your wife on a date. That's spelled D-A-T-E. <laughs> Got some amens. Hallelujah. D-A-T-E. And when you go on a date, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back. And here's what I want you to discuss. I want you to think back what it was like when you used to date before you were married. Now you, as a guy, would... <laughs> but your wife will remind you. She'll remind you. Flowers, candy, nice to open the door. Wow. I mean, neat stuff. Think back. I want you to work on your marriage this week. Let's talk. One of the greatest disasters in the church today is this. It's a very unrealistic expectation which says this. If I'm a Christian and I come to church and I marry a Christian spouse, then my marriage is going to be successful. That's a disastrous statement. Your marriage will be successful if you commit to doing it God's way, which requires hard work forever. If you step into our home today, come all over to Conesty and Falls of Sheridan, you'd find my wife's talents and all the neat stuff that she has. You'd find my big room with books and computers and stuff where I like to study. And I believe if you would walk in, you will not smell death. You will smell life and joy and peace. Does that mean that we have a perfect marriage? Absolutely not. There are some days we do very well. We're doing well right now. There's some days we don't do well at all. We fight just like you. We argue just like you. We're selfish exactly like you are. What's the solution? There are no quick fixes. There's no five points to a successful marriage. We've committed to make it work with God's help, period. Today we heard how our selfish natures can derail the oneness we should have with our spouses and how we will always battle that flesh nature. 
We were reminded to look back and think about our expectations of marriage before we were married and how unrealistic they might have been. With that in mind, Pastor Mark exhorted couples to focus on their marriages and recommit them to God in a concerted effort to make them successful. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3140. And the message title is Building a Successful Marriage. Again, the message number for ordering purposes is MB3140. And the title of today's message is Building a Successful Marriage. Or if you'd like, you can just remember today's date. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue through the Gospel of Mark. And look at how Scripture deals with physical intimacy between a husband and wife. We'll hear how God designed love and intimacy and how the enemy has perverted that to become lust and immorality. The problems this creates infiltrates even Christian marriages. So we'll go to the Word for instruction on this important topic. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.